Yo, yo, what up? What <laughs> up? It's your boy, Sammy Boy. I'm your boy. And with me is Mr. Slickety Slick, the slickest of the slick. What is going on right now? Because I time traveled and like, or dimension hopped and shown up in a different podcast. We're here to tell you about the newest, trendiest cleaning product. Swiffer No Swiffing 5000. Tell me about Swiffer No Swiffing 5000. Well, um, you buy one and you get to listen to the rest of this podcast for free. How much is a Swiffer No Swiffing 5000? It's worth 5000. It's 5000? It's 5000 the price? Yes. Or is it, you know, like a model both. number? Both. It's both the price? What does the Swiffer No Swiffing 5000 do? I don't know, man. I'm just paid to sit here uh-huh. and and advertise, give an ad. Yeah, we're the kind of shills who would, who would like do a sponsor segment for something we we don't even know what it is. They're just like, can you sponsor this? And we're like, absolutely. It turns out this is like used for child slavery or something. <laughs> who cares, right? Welcome, 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 welcome to Couch Theater. I am your host, Rafi Boy, the slickiest of all, I guess. And with me is the other host, Sammy Boy. Sammy Boy. I'm not slick. I'm not slick Your at all. Your definition of slick is a truly disturbing thing. <laughs> it's been, is it two minutes already? We have not said jack shit for two minutes. Um, what are we talking about today, Sam? We are talking about Shang-Chi I'm gonna, and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm going to refrain from saying the name of that movie for the rest of this podcast. Why not? Because I know that the way I'll say it will be very Americanized and it's not going to sound quite right. But when I'm going to try and say it, I'm going to try and say it correctly. So it's just going to come out worse. Okay. Then what we are reviewing is Shang-Chi. Legend of the Ten Rings. Hey, that's a joke for the people who have watched the movie. And if you haven't watched the movie, you are free to stay here, but we're going to spoil lots of things. What should we spoil first, Raph? The ending. Let's go right to the ending, just to, just to get them out of here. In the end, the good guy wins, mm. and the bad guy loses. Wow. So, Sam, what was this movie about? Give me a one-minute breakdown. I'm going to actually put a timer on this so it doesn't go on for 500 years. Here we go. Tony Leung plays a bad guy, but somewhat good guy, but for now bad guy, who is a conqueror in China. All kinds of bad things. Bad, bad, bad. Then he meets this woman in a magical forest, and now he's good, good, good. He falls in love with her, and they have a child called Simu Liu. Sorry, Sean. And Sean grows up in America, in San Francisco, and has a friend named Aquafina, sorry, Katie, <laughs> and they don't like, they don't like responsibilities. Okay. Okay. But responsibility comes to him at it while they're on a bus. Uh-huh. And it turns out responsibility wants their pendant, specifically a necklace on him that he's wearing. Who plays responsibility? Responsibility is destiny or bad guys. Okay. okay. <laughs> Anyhow, so they go to China, right? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> or to, they meet his sister, mm-hmm. who has the other pendant because the bad guys got the pendant from him. I would just like to point out we're over one minute in, and you're not even like a third of the way through the movie. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm off skip. Basically, Tony Long captures them both and says, hey, help me. We're going to find our mother back. Your mother, she's alive. She's behind this thing, this wall. And then 
they're like, no, and then they fight for it. And it turns out this mother turned out to be a giant soul-sucking Godzilla, and they save the day by defeating Godzilla, and Tony Lung is redeemed as a character but dies, and now he's part of the Marvel Universe. I can't do this. <laughs> I think you did an excellent job. One minute, 40 seconds, and you spoiled everything. So all the people who didn't want to be spoiled, they're running screaming now. Uh, did you like this movie? I like Tony Lung so much. I, I could tell by the number of times you said his name. This is his first Hollywood movie, I believe, and it did not disappoint. For people who have watched him, you know, in Hong Kong movies and Chinese productions, you know. Has he been in anything I've ever seen? I don't... Like, his face looks sort of familiar, but I don't know if I've ever seen any of his... The big movies would be Infernal Affairs, mm -hmm. Hero with Jet Li and Don Yan. I have seen that. Yep. Also, Red Cliff, where he plays General Zhao. So No relation to the Avatar The Last Ember General... No, a much better general, sort of. Actually, I, I completely forget that character's name. General Zhao? I thought so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I liked his performance. I thought he did a good job. Actually, I, I, mean, I feel like this is a general thing I say now. I'm like, I like the performances of all the people who were in the thing performing. I didn't think any of them performed badly. I have nothing new to say on the actor front. Can I at least give him, though, an A++? I would, give, I would say he was the best performing actor. Uh, Okay. Actually, I would say the worst... Hmm, who was the worst performing? To be unnecessarily negative, who was the worst performing? Really? Yeah. Just, you want to do that? Just just to be those kind of people, you know? I think they were all good. I think the least performing one would probably be Sean's sister, I guess. I was actually going to say the same thing. Her performance felt a bit stiff. I don't know if stiff is the right word. Not that she was stiff, because she was doing stuff, but just... I didn't fully buy that she was who she was claiming to be. I think her character is probably has problematic parts. Sure, to it. that we, could that could be it. It's like I, she didn't have much to work with, so yeah. I wasn't. The character is probably the most problematic one for me. Not in a progressive woke problematic sense, in a problematic as in poor writing sense. Yeah, and so maybe that just came through, and I. Didn't think she was given the best performance because she wasn't really performing anything worth performing. If you watch after the credits, it seems like where they're going with her is in a more clear direction. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she'll perform better. I'm more positive that she's just had a slightly problematic character and, and we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah, I guess actors and actresses, they're all good. Simu Liu, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's from Toronto. He's uh, Kim's convenience, so it's nice to see him. That is, that is actually a pretty big jump from like, it's kind of like a secondary character in Kim's convenience. I mean, he's the brother, he's there, but he's not to show up all the time. I'm sure he's been in other stuff, but in my head, it's just like, he went from Kim's convenience to Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good job. <laughs> yeah, no, good for him. Yeah. And he put a lot of work into it, it seems, like in terms of the action, his, his kung fu is pretty good. Yeah, the action in this movie was fun. Overall, I'd say it was good, but it was also sometimes jarring because they were trying to do that, um, I don't know if there's a name for it, but that Hong Kong movie style. style. Isn't that just energy? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? No, just the, you know, the like very, obviously there's a rope here kind oh. of uh, action where like you yeah. kick someone and they fly off or you like, you know, jump 500 meters before you land your own kick. That kind of Chinese movie type of martial arts. 
but they were also trying to do the same. Also, like, this is still Marvel, so we're still going to do some of the Marvel stuff. And sometimes I came together really well, and it was, like, really good. And sometimes I was just, action seems a bit confused right now. So <laughs> there, there's three types of actions that I noticed. Before going further, I guess I should say, yeah, the action was developed by Jackie Chan's team. So that's why the action looks actually pretty superb when it comes to more grounded, realistic stuff. Okay. So I think there is the more grounded, realistic with some interesting twists and, and stuff, kind of like a little bit of Jackie Chan style in there. Like they're on the bamboo when they're fighting on the building with the bamboo. That's like rush hour. Yeah, uh, rush that, hour that did feel very reminiscent yeah. of something Jackie Chan would do. So that's the first type of action. The second type of action we see is, I feel more Marvel action, which means there's more CGI involved, right? Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. And then the third type of action is you, that you mentioned, which is the Hong Kong or Chinese style of action where you have people kind of floating yeah. in the air because gravity does not apply to them. So they mixed those three and sometimes it came to well together. I think when Tony Leung and Simu Liu were fighting, generally it was pretty good and, and, and interesting. But like for the bus scene, for example, well, it started really well. It really escalated to a... So that bus scene, <laughs> it's like a you know, classic advice you give to people who are writing. Not necessarily classic, but very common advice is start off with a bang. You know, when I grab the first page of your book or your screenplay or whatever, you need to tell me why I'm interested, why I care, right off the get-go. You don't spend the first 10 pages giving me a boring exposition. I'm not going to read that. So often what that translates to is someone just starts a book and they're like, the guy exploded and punched the other guy and the other thing and then this other thing. And that's kind of what it felt like they did here. We started... He's in his room. Actually, no, we started with the legend. They told us the legend. Mm -hmm. So they did some, you know, Lord of the Rings-esque exposition at the start. But then, but then, they, very quickly, I think it was like five, ten minutes, maybe I'm remembering wrong. He's in the bus. We're fighting now. It's just, it's been ten minutes. There hasn't been any punching. You guys need punching. Here's some punching happening. And almost feels like they're going to action their way through the story. Because there is a, a decent amount of story to tell because they have a lot of flashbacks and they're trying to tell you like what went wrong. And I'm not saying they did a bad job of it. I think I got the story I needed to get, but it did seem like a very interesting choice to basically punch your way through the story. Let's punch first and exposition later or exposition while punching. Yeah. So the action, I was surprised by Marvel doing that kind of action on the bus mm -hmm. initially when he was just fighting the, the guys, the henchmen. It was once they introduced Razor Fist... Which, by the way, I love Razor he's, Fist. He's the best character in that entire thing. Um, he's a man who's got a razor for a fist. <laughs> Just simplicity. Unfortunately, when they brought him, that's where the action shifted to very more Marvel-esque. And Cut like he was pus. cutting the pus. And you're just like, okay. And he's just, Simu, Liu, or Sean is jumping from one of the side of the bus as it's being chopped off onto the other side. And he's like... You but, see, yeah, that, that's where that's not what I meant earlier when I said it was sometimes jarring. Yeah. Because uh, if you start off with that kind of grounded action, because I enjoy a good laser firing, exploding Iron Man type action anyway, but if you start off with like some grounded, you know, I feel the impacts of the punches and everything, and then you quickly move on to, oh, uh, we're just whiffly waffling our way through this now, it sort of loses its impact. And also, the entire time, I think I actually was saying this while we're watching it, they're in the bus. They're fighting, and then the bus driver dies, right? He, or faints or, or faints or something. But then the brakes aren't working for some reason. Razor right? fist cut it cut, off. He cut the, cut the brakes. And then they're just 
the entire time going downhill. And I'm just here wondering, where are you? Like, is it impossible to turn onto a place that's level or that goes <laughs> uphill? Because you know that if you just stop hitting that accelerator, this bus will stop very soon. But the bus just keeps accelerating. <laughs> it's very fun. It's like a fun thing, but it's also like, this doesn't need to be happening. I feel like everyone involved would immediately try to stop the bus in which people are fighting on, as opposed to just keep moving. Uh, yeah, well, it's in San Francisco, right? I have I, no idea. I guess we have to visit San Francisco and see if there's a really long downhill. Maybe yeah. there is. Because they turn multiple times. Uh, so. I, I might be wrong, but I distinctly remember them calling them turning multiple times and just, for whatever reason, choosing to continue going downhill. Yeah. Another thing mm -hmm. I suppose I really did like about the bus scene was the TikToker or Instagrammer or whoever that was. Yeah. That is me, man. That is you? That is me. You take out your phone and people are fighting no, on the bus? but I'm like, oh yeah, I've, I've done some martial arts back <laughs> in the day when I was a kid. I've done martial arts when I was a kid. I'm going to now... Proceed to prove like great professionals on how well they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I can see you doing that. I mean, it's not even really a new thing anymore, but I still enjoy just the, I guess, almost a commentary of where we are in, in our, our society that, yeah. like, this is probably the genuine reaction of people. They would just take out their phones and start recording a video. Yeah. So that's one. You want to, like, bounce around as do like, things we like, things we didn't like? Sure. Alright, we're gonna start with a, a pro. What one thing you liked about this movie? Tony Long. We're back at that. <laughs> well you already spilled about it. Oh, oh, right, fine. I'll bring up another character that I liked. The Ben Kingsley character, Trevor Slatery, the one who was in Iron Man the, Three. The fake Mandarin. The fake Mandarin. I loved how they brought him back in. Yeah, I did enjoy that. It's a comic relief, but it's a a comic relief while retconning a choice they'd made in a previous movie that no one had liked. They they just they yeah. did it very well to like rope everything in and just like clean up uh, some stuff. So it was a good bit of a narrative. If I was a real Mandarin, yes, and somebody came up with a hoax Mandarin like that, I'd probably yeah want to kill him myself or at least imprison him and make him my entertaining slave. Well, he was gonna kill him, and then he just proved to be just so so, so entertaining. <laughs> he would just debase himself to stay alive. And you're like. Ugh. This is comic gold. Hmm. I'm gonna go to my list. I like that his character had more layers than I initially thought. So when it started off, he he ran away from home. I don't know if this story was in any way faithful to the comics because mm -hmm. I have honestly did not even know this was a Marvel character until they released the trailer for this. So. I know nothing about that, but I initially thought that this was going to be, oh, he ran away from home, he has a destiny, his father has passed on super genes to him, or something. And then it went away from that, and then I was like, okay, that's better, but it might just end up being, he got trained, so he's really strong, and then his dad sent him to do something bad, so he ran away, which is not bad, but it's a bit meh. But I, I did like that. There was more layers to it in that he did actually kill the person. And it was after mm -hmm. after that that mm -hmm. he, you know, realized you know, the error of his ways and that. And even just that when the father called them, like, took them back home, that they went. Because, like, you can clearly tell that he at least does not like his dad anymore. And, like, there was no love lost there. But he still 
went back home. Almost what you would expect from like a an Asian family or like an African family kind of thing or a non-Western <laughs> culture family where like you might, oh, I hate my mom, but if my mom tells me, come get dinner, I'm just going to show up because it's my mom. That, that like there's respect there that is mm-hmm. given regardless of what So that felt very authentic. There was layers to these people. I, I believe that these people will be making the choices they're making. You've actually convinced me. Oh, I didn't know I was convincing you of anything. Yeah, you were. <laughs> um, I now that you've refreshed my memory on his like path a bit and like how he actually killed the car- like the the bad guy on on his mission and stuff. I was going to say he wasn't one dimensional, but he was fairly stereotypical. At the end of the day, all I remembered was. You know, at the beginning, so I didn't like the beginning in San Francisco, San Francisco that much because it felt like okay, he's a superhero who's just right now he doesn't want to accept responsibility in his life. He's going to accept his who he is or what he's meant to be, kind of thing. <laughs> Which in the end he does. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. I think layered. the all the layers happen in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. In the current time, there's. There's no real layering to his character. It's very straightforward. I mean, there's the, I'm going to kill my dad little hiccup there. But even when he says it, I'm like, you're not going to kill your dad. Yeah. Marvel did a good job with the antagonist. I think his character felt a lot more layered. He starts off like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm after power and stuff. And he really did fall in love with this woman. And for that time being, he gave up his power. That's like an important crucial thing like of that story he had gave up his power yeah, to, to be older and stuff like that yeah but to switch to cons oh no we were just talking about this on the currently still not edited episode of redemption arcs yes <laughs> of that i'm a bad guy and but i fall in love so i'm not a bad guy anymore mm. and as with any trope it's all about execution you can do anything and make it done well I don't know that this hit that mark for me. I still felt while I was watching, I was like, oh, you're a bad guy, but she's so pretty that you're no longer a bad guy. Like, what happened to all your motivation? And I recognize that, you know, they're giving us snippets, so I'm allowed to fill in the blanks of what could have happened here and why he turned away. I guess I'm not willing to fill in the blanks for them. I don't believe you. I don't believe this happened, so I'm just not even going to give you give you that uh, leeway. <laughs> well, okay, let's dig deeper into this. So the relationship... They start off, he's searching for power, basically, for yeah. this magical land, right? Talo. Talo. And sh- she outpowers him, and quickly their fight becomes reminiscent or starts to show symptoms, actually, of a dance. Mm-hmm. Is there perhaps something about the conversion there between fighting and dancing? Because he comes in, he's thinking all about power, yeah. and he can't overpower her. Well, I guess if I would go into fill in the blanks and interpret it in my mm-hmm. own way it's he has the ten rings and he has been this powerhouse for so long he is not necessarily a great martial artist he's a martial artist but he's not necessarily the greatest martial artist ever mm. he's just the guy who can do martial arts and has the ten rings so he shows up to every confrontation and he just sort of overpowers you and then he shows up to this confrontation and he tries to overpower and she outskills him and it's sort of the first time in a long time if ever, that he's been outmatched, and he keeps coming back. He keeps being outmatched, and it's sort of this, I haven't experienced this in so long, that this experience itself of being outmatched is, I'm enjoying this, you know, my life was so dull before, I was only winning, but now that I have a challenge or some conflict, 
you know, I have found I've awakened a fire in my soul, you know, that kind of nonsense. Yeah. And you not, then associate that with the person who's doing it, and you start to like them, and then maybe you form some respect to them, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> I'm going to put what you said into a an equation, Okay. from what I understand. Man likes power. Mm-hmm. Woman is more powerful than him. <laughs> Man likes her power. <laughs> some men are attracted to powerful women. I mean, yeah, I, in, either way. I'm not even sure. I forgot the reason why we're diving into this. Um, because we're trying to explore the how layered the character is. Because I do agree, like, his redemption at the end is... It's like a Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker story, right? Yeah. Um, like, and in, in I some guess, ways. to jump more into it, I guess, if I were to then make the logical leap and buy that... Let's assume that this was months and months of him coming back there, and sometimes they have conversations, and she slowly won him over... I still don't see how where this is coming from with her. So I can see how he can might fall in love. I don't believe that she's falling in love because mm. all she sees is this power-hungry, untrained, sleuth, uncouth man coming at her, and she trounces him. So like, like where's her attraction coming from? So they don't bother to show any of that, and she falls in love with him. And since the the Talo people don't let them stay, she loves him so much that she's gonna live with him outside of this, and then. She gives up her power, and he gives up his power, but then she dies, and he immediately takes the rings back. And to me, again, that just invalidates everything that's happened, because I'm like, so, however long you guys have been together, at least 15 years, probably 20 years or something like that, have you learned nothing? Like, what was your entire relationship, if not her pulling you away from that and showing you there was a better way? If you didn't immediately go back to that, you're just saying you didn't actually learn anything. So, the redemption... Him redeem it being redeemed, sure, might not be the strongest redemption, the first redemption when he falls in love. Mm-hmm. But the unredemption, I thought, made sense because it's his past, his sins coming up with him. It's not just his, she died. It's the fact that the people that he had harmed in the past, the violent world he had in the past, came back and bit him back. And so even though he thought he was out, he wasn't, right? I think that was fairly well done you think so i didn't like it as much because sort of the same thing i'm saying now is it's the time that's the thing that bugs me it's the you're a married man you came into this relationship probably with some character flaws that have if not are completely gone have in some way toned down Mm -hmm. do you think that if you guys were in a relationship for let's say 10 years and this person and their influence has been affecting you for 10 years and then they die I mean, first of all, whatever bad things you were doing are definitely affecting you for 10 years. So there's no way, realistically, that you guys haven't, like, had situations where some of these people come in and maybe he fights them off and he thinks, oh, I'll get the rings. And she's like, no, and he agrees, blah, blah, blah. These things must have happened over the past 10 years. It couldn't have just been, oh, you know, sunshine and rainbows. So then the one time she dies, you're like, I guess I'll get the rings again. It's like, okay, I can believe that a human being would do that. Yes. So that, I guess my argument isn't that it's unrealistic. My argument is that it's... You could have written something that I was more interesting. I guess that's my title. You could have written me something more interesting than that. I suppose we can move on, but I'll, <laughs> I'll leave off of this. If his character had gone straight back into seeking power again mm-hmm. and militarizing and all that stuff, then sure, I think that might be a bit too far. But what the undoing of his character was purely revenge, which I... At first was purely revenge, which I see as possible, and then was because you know he was he was basically revenging on the the, the gang 
So you're saying like he didn't he didn't take up the rings intending to take them up permanently. He just took them up just to kill those well, people. Uh, he didn't start seeking power again. He didn't start trying to create an empire in the shadows or anything again. He he still had he had something. The empire there. never really left based but, on what this the yeah. movie presents. I mean, sure he had some, but I don't think he was straight back into that. I think at first it was more about revenge, and then secondly it was about him finding her again. Yeah. As a character, he's unredeemed, but he doesn't exactly go back to the same exact person he was before, right? Fair enough. I still don't like it, but fair enough. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. A pro now. Something we liked. Michelle was in the movie. So, uh, is all your pros just actors? Just actors you liked? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. Tell me about Michelle Yeoh. She's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Which has got that Chinese kind of action. And that most of that did happen around her and yeah. her sister. So I didn't like the beginning too much, their life in San Francisco. But you jump straight into a con? This is pro No, no. So, so what, I, what I'm trying to say, what I liked about San Francisco, mm-hmm. I did, what I didn't like was the character's initial flaws. Basically, they don't want to accept responsibility kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't like that part. As for the culture, it felt like... Asian American culture. I thought that felt pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that uh, felt pretty authentic. It felt yeah. pretty uh, accurate. Um, As not an Asian American myself, I can say that that felt pretty yeah. authentic to me. And you know, Aquafina not being able to pronounce Sean's Chinese name. I, I don't know. Is she is she Chinese in the movie or Korean? I think she's Chinese in the movie. I I don't know. I have no idea. Right in now. any case, there are Asian Americans such as myself mm-hmm. who do not speak. The mother language. Yeah. And, you know, they're inundated in the culture in some way, but not in other ways. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like that uh, bit of realism. I'll say, my, I'll give a pro and a con. They're the same thing. Aquafina. <laughs> Go on. I enjoyed her performance. You know, she's there. Not as much comic relief as Ben Kingsley was, the uh, fake Mandarin. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed the the humor she brought and sort of the flair and all that was fun, but her character was legit not doing anything for me. The person, your sidekick, needs to have have a thing that they're doing themselves, not just sidekicking. Obviously, whatever their story is has to be like a B plot to your A plot or even a C plot, but there should be something there that they're doing. And while this does try to tell me, oh, she also accepts responsibility too by the end. It's like, eh, she's just sort of there. And then because they're friends, she falls into unrealistically dangerous situations. I'm going to tell you right now, you're one of my closest friends. If I suddenly found out that you were like punching people and, you know, had this whole dark secret past, I I would not follow you to China. That is not something I would do. So I I don't know where she got this instinct from. Dang it, Ryan. I have have tickets (laughs) for next week. Well, you you haven't started punching people on buses yet. So so that part I find pretty, I'm like, I don't really buy your motivation. She's just sort of tagging along. She's just there to sometimes be witty and sometimes make snap and just... It felt to me like she was just there to sometimes be Aquafina and be like, hey, look, at, isn't she just yeah. charming and like has personality? I'm like, yes, she does. But like, can this character do something? And then they get to Talo and she picks up the, first of all, she doesn't even say anything. They're just like, the old woman just takes her to the archery range. Yeah. Just like, 
pick up the thing. If you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing or whatever. And I'm like, that's that's an okay line, but why do you think she has any skill archer? And then she picks up a bow and lo and behold, she is good at it. And, you know, less than 24 hours later, just t- t- taking like prime targets. I'm just like, I don't No. This character is not working for me. (laughs) So, don't get me started on the bow. (laughs) But, so, I felt like her initial presence, even though I didn't, like I say, I didn't like the idea that, like, oh, he's a lack of responsibility and he needs to accept who he is and stuff. She complimented that. She shared the same flaw, I suppose, as him, right? And that's kind of what they were highlighting. As opposed to, and the difference where they veer off is, uh, Sean knows kind of what he needs to do, but it's you know, but he doesn't want to do it. Whereas Aquafina actually legitimately doesn't know, and it kind of fitted to me well with the, the Asian American culture, like her storyline. I'll say this: Does he really know what he is supposed to be doing? Because yes, I understand that he's shirking responsibility, but what responsibility really to return and? lead his father's criminal empire he doesn't want to do that it's not really a responsibility he's shirking it's more of a lifestyle he's decided not to follow i think it's to face his dad is that a responsibility really though i mean if you have a family family. but if you have an abusive dad i i I give you leeway to just leave and never come back (laughs) that's the thing you're allowed to do i guess (sighs) okay so i was okay with her because she she did she is charming yeah and she wasn't in your nose for the big plot points right except except, except for the book for the very end they had to ruin her nobody okay here's the most unrealistic thing about the movie it's not that there's a soul sucking creature beside under the gate waiting to come out and soul suck everybody's soul. <laughs> No, the most unrealistic thing is the training in this movie. Both uh, Sean's sister and and Katie, uh, which is Aquafina. Yeah. I'm going to get started on Sean's sister first. I don't care how good you are, unless you have a super super power called super learning or a super power called super reflexes complemented with super understanding of your super balance. That's a pretty deep power. (laughs) You cannot become such a strong martial artist by just watching, okay? And then trying it yourself. No, no, no. Sam, I I know you're saying all this, but as someone who's watched a lot of martial arts, (laughs) I think I'm pretty good. (laughs) So I don't know. My life experience has taught me that you can just watch. (laughs) You You start an underground fight and start participating in those fights and let me know, okay? Honest, Karate Kid, the whole thing about Karate Kid was... You need a good master. There's no such thing as a bad student, but you know, Danny Boy is is learning how to you know do karate by watching on TV or reading some manual or something, and he kind of sucks. It's not until he has a good teacher. That is a realistic application of of understanding how training works, of how improving your life works. It it takes people to have input in your life. You cannot. You can't. Just say, I'm going to watch my brother get hit with sticks and be like, I've learned something. Okay, I'll give it this one aspect of it. Okay. Is that she didn't just watch. She did practice. Granted, it was solo practice, which is, you know, suspect. 
But she did practice. So you can imagine, because she wanted to give them as much room as possible, that she saw him do something, tried to do it herself, probably made some mistakes, and then watched him again make similar mistakes or different mistakes, saw the corrections, and tried to very critically and with very extreme discipline apply that to herself. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I also don't think that's a thing that could have happened. But even if you have a teacher and you never fight, you you can't fight. Maybe when need, she ran away, you need a partner at least. Maybe when she ran away, she didn't initially start a fighting ring, but she joined one and then Perhaps. got beat up a lot and finally was able to apply all those lessons. And then, yeah, I, I'm I'm bombarded. Yeah, I'm just okay. I'm just <laughs> playing incompetent devil's advocate at this point. <laughs> I'm about to create a new Marvel villain for Shang Chi too. I was a little kid. And I was bullied. So I watched YouTube videos. Thousands and thousands of hours. So many YouTube videos. Look at my recommendation. Nothing but martial arts. I did grappling practices, jujitsu practices, and judo practices with my teddy bear. Yeah. And I became the most powerful. Okay, so you see my problem there. I, I definitely see. I, I think there was a... Oh man, that's kind of unfortunate. Now, now I'm sad saying this. I'm like, the two main female characters in this movie, I'm like, they felt like the characters weren't doing anything. Or the things they were doing, I was like, eh, I'm not on board with that. Well, that's why, I, like, earlier when you were saying, like, who's the p- most poorly, I guess, acted character, I think she was the most problematically written character. Because if she had participated in something or something like that, she could have been a really good character. And I like where they're going to go with her in, in the sequels. Just if I assume now that she's, you know, really tough and can do all of this, I can go forward with that and I would like the sequels probably. No, no. I mean, if you ignore how she got to be so good at fighting, I still have a problem with her. Whatever her character is doing this entire thing, because it's, I didn't like being left out of the boys club. So I trained on myself, made myself tough. That's cool. And then my brother left me and I felt, you know, abandoned and betrayed. So I went on my own, did my own thing. That's cool. Wonderful. And then my brother comes back, you know, I don't need you, I don't care, wonderful. And then my dad calls us back, and I'm there. And then my brother goes on an adventure, and I'm sort of just there. Like, again, similar to, I don't know why Aquafina is following him on this adventure. I don't know why his sister is here. Like, I know why she came back, their father ordered them. But I don't know why she's yeah. siding with him or following him into this dangerous situation. It doesn't seem like something she would want to do. I mean, I believe it more from her than from Aquafina because at least she's his sister yeah. and there's uh, something there. And then by the end, you're like, hey, she wasn't that good after all. She's taking over the criminal empire. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you never told me she was a good person. She was just sort of there. True, true. <laughs> I think they'll do better with her in the future. I think. I hope so. <clears throat> with the amount of flashbacks and they really, they really focused on the protagonist and antagonist in the movie. Mm-hmm really on the antagonist a lot. So I I guess there just wasn't enough time for her to be developed as much as would be good to develop her. Do you have another pro, perhaps? Because I have a longer list of cons. <laughs> I've said a lot of pros. Did I already mention Razor Fist? Oh, what I liked is how I found out his name was Razor Fist. By his license plate? <laughs> I didn't see it on the... I saw the car. On the on the side of his car, he, he literally has graffiti on his car. Oh. Basically what I noticed was his, his license plate was RZR. Oh. <laughs> like his license plate is actually Razor Fist. It's... It was great. It's not like his character was 
in any way actually like some great feat of writing. It was just in this entire movie, there's just this guy called Razor Fist, and it's just deeply amusing. <laughs> yeah, and I like the part where he takes uh, a dragon dragon skin or whatnot, dragon and then puts that in, as his new razor, and I'm like, yes, yes, that's cool. Now he's Dragon Razor Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what? Uh, okay, I will say, jumping back to his dad. No. Okay, I guess really the summary of this is I liked a lot of the performances and I was having fun, but like, not even a after the fact I stopped to think about it. It was like during the fact, sometimes even before the fact, I was like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And that is a problem, you know? I'm all down for turn off your brain movies. You know, Fast and Furious 7. Or, sorry, Furious 7. It's one of my favorite movies. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had in a theater. When, when you step into that theater and you sit down and the movie starts, everything about that movie is telling you, do not, for one second, think about anything that's going on right now. It's family and it's stunts and they're basically superheroes. Like, it's, but it sounds silly, like, oh, the movie tells you to turn your brain off, but there's a buy-in, right? The movie is, it's the same reason, you know, you might read a comic book and accept something and then watch a live-action movie and not accept that same thing. It's like, the it way... Does, it does what it's trying to be. Yeah, it's presenting you something and saying, this is the buy-in. You need to, you know, ignore these things to have fun in this movie. This movie is not telling me, obviously, it's a superhero movie, there's, there's some buy-in there, but, like, the things, like, with the archery and... It's not giving me the cues to buy into these kind of things. It's telling me it's a different kind of movie and then these other things are happening. And that's where I start having problems. So, I had a point. The point was that I liked a lot of the performances in the movie. It was enjoyable, but overall, it sort of didn't make sense a lot of the time. The core theme and plot was good, but like a lot of the details were jarring. What I was going to say about the dad is, I don't believe that he was that stupid. He getting deceived by this entity to unleash it. So... First of all, just a pedantic thing I'm going to say, which doesn't actually matter for this movie, this is not a real criticism, is I don't believe that this Ten Rings is the only thing that can release this monster from here. Surely, in this world with all these... Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, just so many powerful beings. Surely, there is something else that can release this. Surely, it's not just the Ten Rings, but whatever. That doesn't matter. I'm watching a comic book movie. Also pedantically. He's been alive for, what, over a thousand years? This isn't the first time he's had something he wanted. It could have been whispering to him before, there's so much power here. You know what? I'll take that back. Let's assume that it was whispering to him, and that's why he wanted to get into Tavo in the first place. I'm going to give the movie that, even though I do not believe that's actually what they were trying to do. What? There was whispering. For him to get into Tavo the first time? Oh, oh, I don't know. Like, like saying that the reason he wanted to get to Talo the first time was because it was whispering can, to him that there was power there. Can't we just say love is blind and move on? It made no sense. It's like, I understand that it might start, you know, deceiving you and making you think, oh, your wife's here. But then when all evidence is telling you this is not the case, are you a moron? Like, you can get fooled, sure. But then when you get there and literally everyone's telling you, bro, Behind there is a soul-sucking monster. Not your wife, a soul-sucking, world-destroying monster. That's what they He's like, I don't believe you. Joke here. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Nice one. <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's what they're telling. He's just like, yep, I'm, I'm going, I believe. And then, 
Worst of all, he gets there to where the soul-sucking monster is, and he starts punching it. And you know what starts coming out? Because of the joke you made. Now I'm so self-conscious of what I just said. Do you know what starts coming out of... <laughs> okay. He gets there. He punches the rocks. And out comes this bat, whatever, gremlin creature. If nothing else at this point had convinced you that your wife wasn't there, the soul-sucking monster coming out of the place where they told you there was a soul-sucking monster should convince you that there's a soul-sucking monster behind there. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, the dragon was cool. What? The dragon was cool. Uh, kind of pointless, cool. but it was cool. It was cool. I think Godzilla, sure. So that that is the one, that's my actually my biggest gripe about this movie. Everything else I can probably overlook. The main villain, the main antagonist, sorry, is his dad. But then towards the end, they did the thing that they tend to do in these movies where they're like, okay, now we need a giant CGI fight. At least there was no sky beam. <laughs> with, with some dubstep. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, at the end, we got to the end and there was this giant monster that we had to fight. Cool. And we fought it. And this, this entity that you had introduced 30 minutes ago of this two-hour movie, this entity that I don't care about, this entity that you have told me was so terrible and so powerful that you had to seal it away and you couldn't kill it, dies immediately. So like, By Aquafina's arrow. Okay. Like, what was the point of this? Like, we could have done anything else with the, the final act here. Minor rewrite. He goes there and then they fight him before he tries to release the thing. And then they have their own little spat. And then you can leave that thing that you've hinted at now as like some looming threat for the future. The fact that it was released and destroyed, like it was introduced, released, and dealt with in like the last 30 minutes of the movie. It's like, why did this happen? So this is where redemption arcs are problematic, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do a proper redemption, the easiest redemption to tie up things is to have the character convert and die. Yes. And if you want to do that, you need to introduce another bad guy. But you don't want to introduce an actual interesting bad guy because if you introduce another interesting bad guy, that just makes everything... You can't tie it up. Too, right? too convoluted. Your plot gets yeah. messy. You have to just resort to a final monster that you can end. And because the Tony Lung, I like Tony Lung so much, I just accepted it. And the part I didn't accept was the arrow. To, to me, that was the biggest problem because I'm like, all of you, the people in, this, in these writing rooms... I pay a lot more than I make, maybe. Actually, take that back. I don't know how much they make. The people in this writing room have experience, and there's a lot of money going into this, and I believe that there are good writers there. So I'm just sitting here wondering, how did we get here? Mm. How did you all... I don't even care if it was writing by committee. The entire committee should realize that <laughs> this is not a good ending. A giant like, monster. It, yeah, it's like, why did this happen? Actually, I take that back. Probably they're like, we need a giant monster fight. Otherwise, well, people, what are we going to do for the finale? It's going to be boring if there's no monster fight. Well, yeah. This movie actually felt a lot like the the uh, the TV series instead of the, the mm -hmm. movies. Because it's not like by the end he takes up the mantle and decides to become a superhero. It's by the end he beats the monster that showed up. But yeah. I have no reason not to believe he's not just going to go back to his normal life. I mean, I guess towards the end credits, uh, what's his name? Wong. Wong pulls him in, so that's how he's going to get introduced into this world. But yeah, by the end of it, it's like, he's not actually a superhero, he's just a guy who has magical powers, who's mm -hmm. probably going to go back to being a valet, because 
Honestly, that seems like the kind of person he is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a pro. I would just make a quick one. I like the scene where Tony Long beats up the bad guys, like the gangsters, and he takes his son with him. Yeah. The way he dressed everything is like super Hong Kong gangster yeah. from what I've seen. And it fits Tony Long well. That's the kind of like role that I personally think Tony Long is pretty suited for. Honestly, even the rings, the 10 bracelets, they kind of remind me of uh, the over-the-top ridiculous Kung Fu movie. That, oh, Kung that, Fu Hustle! Yeah, kind of reminds me of Kung Fu Hustle. I forget, someone had rings in there, right? Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, this, this is great. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody did have wing. Yeah, wings, rings. Oh, such a good movie. We should do that. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it, but we can definitely watch Kung Fu Hustle. Get in the comments! Uh, <laughs> yeah, any final thoughts? Oh, we're doing final thoughts. Oh, it's whoa. been so long. Do you have a lot more cons? Um, I'll do some... Uh, some I'll, I'll run through this. Oh, an interesting side effect, tangent, thing that... Consequence of what occurred here that probably no one's ever going to talk about is the entire culture of Talo, all they do there, is completely meaningless now. The entire subculture is built upon the fact that there is a monster trapped behind there and these people are here in this magical land with this dragon sealed off, protecting against that. They train every day for the day that that thing comes out so that they can fight it. And it came out and they fought it and their entire subculture is completely useless now. Not useless, like they'll probably still live there, but just like Calo as you know it. They can come to San Francisco. Yeah. I, I, actually, a minor con, I was very upset with how useless they all were in the fight. I didn't, okay, maybe it's a me thing. I didn't realize that they were saying the mother was really good, you know, a standout fighter. I thought what the movie was telling me was these people are so good. Any one of them is better than him mm. kind of thing. But it turned out, okay, the mother is like probably the best fighter there. So I was a bit disappointed we got there and I was like, oh, they're just mediocre when I was expecting them all to be just yeah. so good. Yeah, true. Mm, the rings are cool in combat, but have the least defined power set I have ever. I don't know what those rings do. Other than keep your life along, I'm like, they're power blah? Yeah, mostly he just blasts them off and hits people. <laughs> they have a magnetic polarization that changes mm, or something. Ah, with yes. your Unique magnetic identification. Yes, you have the flip capacitor. I see, I see. <laughs> I thought it was funny. This is a very tiny sight. When they showed up in the car, actually, that's a, it's not really a pro, it's a fun thing. I love that they went to the place for the car. Instead of like journeying through the jungle, they just drove. <laughs> Product placement. Yeah, I just enjoyed it. And then they got there, and I thought it was very weird that those people knew what a car was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand the entire thing with the postcard. This is before they went there. When the postcard showed up, but it wasn't him. It was the sister. And I was like, this entire thing didn't need to have one. If you want to call your kids back, just call your kids back, man. You don't have to send assassins after them. Yes. yes. I don't know why Wang Wong was in that underground fighting ring. It seems so out of character for him. It does. It is actually extremely out of character for him, but whatever. We need a Wong movie now. Yep. Um, to explain just, <laughs> just <one> that. <laughs> the prequel um, dragon skill is a thing that they had and I don't know where they get it from presumably from the skills of this dragon but that sounds like a real painful process that the dragon probably wouldn't sign up for raise a fist is on this list that's just, just one line raise a fist can you say good can you say bad <laughs> no need to 
Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Oh, I recognize it's changing. It's a portal, whatever. But I'm like, the way the movie presented, I'm like, so you could just take a helicopter and just got there, right? But no, it's it's a different world. It's not yes. actually physically there. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think that's well, most of what I got. Before we end, my friend told me that we need to come up with some arbitrary rating system for this. Oh, like a flavor, or I do enjoy so the Weekly Planet Pod. I do enjoy their worst movie ever and best movie ever, because the the idea there is the internet has no nuance. Basically, the entire conversation is the review of the movie. But like, at the end, there's like, so best movie ever, worst movie ever. And you just give one or two. It's like, no, there's no nuance here. But yeah, a flavor would be interesting. See, would you give, like, maybe this movie's a coriander? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Mochi. Mochi. This movie is a mochi? Or, or alternatively, we could make, find 10 movies by Nicolas Cage and rank them from worst to best and then equate that with that Nicolas Cage movie. That sounds overly complex. Um, I mean, it's just fun, though. What if it's like... I would say watermelon, but you don't like watermelon. Maybe, hey, maybe watermelon is it. You have so many cons after all. That is just the nature of the kind of movie you watch. I can watch a movie and be like, I love this movie, and then like spend five hours telling you all the things I hated about it. I love The Wheel of Time. It's my favorite book series ever. If you gave me a talk about Wheel of Time, I'd probably spend most of the time telling you about things I didn't like about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will work on our rating system. Alright, for now, this movie gets uh, everything you just heard. <laughs> Boom. Oh, also, we're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Amazon, no, Audible, Google, Google Music, and a bunch of other stuff. And we're also on the socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, other things. We're not on TikTok, but Sam has promised to create a TikTok account no and way. post the funniest TikTok videos. Links in the description. Have a good night. And if you're a company, we're looking to do sponsorships. Um, please. <laughs> Especially Lysol. I think I've mentioned Lysol like in three different episodes. I hope I, they're I, not I, I, would, I would sponsor Lysol.